Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Jacob. Welcome to Rookie Rundown, the sports podcast for the casual fan. This week for our episode, we have a special guest host, Evan, who is going to join us to talk about the sport of hockey and the National Hockey League, or the NHL. Welcome to the show, Evan. Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Evan, friend of Jake's from high school. Just figured I would join in and give my opinion on the NHL this week. So why do you want to be on a podcast talking about why other people should care about Canadians on ice with razor blades on their feet? Well, uh, basically the long and short of it is, is I became a Penguins fan in 2009 when the Penguins were in the Stanley Cup. That was the first time they were in the Cup when I was a kid. Uh, And I've been addicted to hockey ever since. So I would figure that I would try and uh, share my support and love, passion for the sport. So this year... The NHL switched broadcast partners, and it's now on ESPN and TNT. So it's a lot more accessible. When people are watching hockey, what do they need to know just so they're not totally and utterly confused? So the basic gist of the sport is each team has six total players on the ice at all time, five actual players and then a goalie. Um, There's two defensive positions and then three offensive positions. So the offensive positions are left wing, right wing, and then the center, who's usually, you know, your big name guys like Sidney Cross or Steven Stamkos from the ta- from the Lightning. Um, and then your wings are usually the guys that are in support of those. So for the Penguins, that's usually like your Jake Gensel. The uh, obvious point of the game is to score more goals than the other guys. And then obviously uh, on the ice at all times, you have two linesmen and two referees who are the guys that put the guy in the boo-boo box when they do something they're not supposed to um 20 minutes a period three periods of play overtime's five minutes and then you go to in a shootout which actually just changed not too long ago um a few years back they made that change it used to be a complete 20 minute period of overtime and then you would go to a shootout um before it was five on five now overtime's actually only three v three which is an incredible change of pace for overtime. I think it makes a sport so much more interesting to watch in the regular season. Um, So I think that was a really good change that they made. And then a shootout, obviously, whoever scores more goals per round takes the win on that one. That's basically the gist of the sport. That's how getting not too deep into things is how it runs. So when a lot of people think of hockey, they think of some random dudes just on the ice throwing punches. Now, hockey's kind of moved away from that as a sport, but still people associate the game of hockey with fighting. Is that a fair assessment? It definitely is. And the reason that I think that people are still associate uh, hockey and fighting together is because... I say, unfortunately, um, the league has kind of started to move away from letting players fight on the ice. Um, The referees get involved way sooner now. Like if the players are just talking to each other and they're, you know, like busting up against each other, they pretty much will intervene and stop anything before it starts. The only time the guys really get away with a fight is if the referees are focused on like a penalty or something that happened or stoppage in play and the players are chirping at each other and they just drop the gloves and go with minimal warning. That's basically the only time that guys will get away with fighting. Now I kind of wish that they would just let the players duke it out because not only is it extremely entertaining to watch the players just 
hash it out on the ice. It also relieves a lot of the pent-up frustration between the teams while they're playing. And obviously, hockey is an extremely violent sport. You know, you have checking and obviously fighting the topic that we're talking about. Uh, so the aggression that the players let out when they fight, it not only takes out the two guys that were fighting, it also uh, will relieve some of the pressure that's on the bench. And that's why when uh, two players fight on the ice, the entire bench will stand up and kind of wrap their sticks on the boards. Um, so it really is, and it's motivating. It's fun to watch. It's just an entertaining sport. And it adds that level of uh, adrenaline to watching because obviously it's just entertaining for the fans to watch. And I think that's why a lot of people really appreciate watching hockey. It's one of the reasons that I got into it, not to sound like a you know nihilist or anything, but <laughs> hockey is just so fast-paced and it happens a million miles an hour, you really have to learn how to watch what's happening. As we've seen the U.S. sports scene kind of away from slower-paced games, namely baseball, right, which is fading, it's interesting to me that fast-paced sports where there's a lot of up-and-down action like basketball and hockey are really starting to rise. And I think it'll be interesting as we move forward to see that general progression in sports. Ali, before your first hockey game that you ever went to, what did you know about hockey? Not much. I just knew that it was fast-paced, and it was a sport that you could really watch all year round, which is not something you can say about a lot of sports. Yeah, that's true. I mean, hockey has an 82-game season, Evan, is that right? Nor Yeah, it's normally like a 40-40-ish split between the first yeah. half of the season. They it's have 82. The all-star. Yeah, they it's have an all-star games. break. They have yeah. the break for the all-star game, which is usually about a week or so. Um, and then the second half of the season is personally where I think that things just get absolutely crazy because the first half of the season is obviously important. Like the teams understand that if you want to make it to the finals, you have to play hard all season long. But after yeah, the all-star break is when, thing, is when things really start to heat up because you're over the hump of the season. And the we final, just had the all-star game this yeah, past week. Yeah, the all-star week. game was the so Things week, are going to heat up. Yeah, the week, but... Week before the Super Bowl, so the first weekend in February, I think it was. And Is it the always final... the week before the Super Bowl? Normally, yes. Um, the NHL All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl are usually in the same weekend, which is great for fans because you have that break from the regular seasons. Well, the po- uh, the postseason in football and then the regular season in hockey. And a lot of people will watch both of those games in the same weekend because obviously those are the best of the two halves of the country going up against each other. And for hockey, Canada's thrown in there too. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really convenient. I had no idea. As the season is starting to like wind up and things are getting more intense, talk about what the Stanley Cup is and why the playoff format of the NHL stands out apart from other sports. So the Stanley Cup, um, for anyone that hasn't seen it, is it's a literal cup that was introduced uh, towards the beginning of when the NHL was established. And it's that giant platinum cup that has all the rings on it. And so the tradition behind the Stanley Cup is is that when a team wins the finals, the Stanley Cup, they engrave the names of all of the players from the team that won it that season. Yeah, so, so each trophy represents all the people who have won it before. Exactly. And as they run out of room 
on the rings, they just put another ring on top of it. So as hockey continues to be played for however long that may be, hopefully forever, they will keep adding rings to the Stanley Cup so long as it's not inconvenient. Um, yeah, I don't, all I, the old rings are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So yeah. you can go and see all the former players who have ever won it from the rings that used to be on the trophy. Yeah, which is... Not only does it, it's just cool to look at, but it's awesome that they preserve the history of the sport like that. And obviously the MLB and the NFL and the NBA just don't do that. Like everyone knows what a Lombardi trophy looks like. If you're any kind of sports fan, like even if you watch one football game in your life, if you watch the Super Bowl, you know what a Lombardi trophy looks like when someone wins the Super Bowl. There's no immortalization there. Obviously, like the home stadium will have the trophy displayed but other than that no one can go and see that and see the names of all of the players who were on the team the year that they won the cup um or the championship which i personally think is awesome it just makes the remembrance of that team that much more surreal to the players and it's just a cool tradition i think i i wish that other leagues did something like that but it's just it's really what makes the stanley cup unique yeah, it has a history and a and a yeah. certain like aura of just past legends who have been in that spot before. Speaking of things from the past that are being brought up, the Chicago Blackhawks, I think we've touched on this in the past, Allie. Uh, can mm-hmm. you describe what exactly they're going through right now for people who may be unfamiliar? Oh, gosh. Well, as I understand it, there is a player who was assaulted by a coach and did not come forward publicly about it, and the team covered it up. And so it just recently came out um, that the Blackhawks organization knew about the assault and did nothing for the player. Yeah, and they kind of tried to sweep it under the rug because they went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. So they were trying to hush it up so that they could continue their, their charge through the postseason. It's been, I guess, almost 10 years since that happened, and it's just now coming out, which is definitely a level of scandal that I don't think we've seen in hockey ever. Yeah, and what was that player's name again? Uh, Kyle Beach. Yeah. And he had the, I mean, just an absolute incredible interview with a uh, host from canada who and he talks about like how when he came forward like it wasn't really surprised people had figured out who he was but his teammates already knew who he was because at the time people on his team were making fun of him for having been sexually assaulted like during the playoff run so a lot of the former players from those teams are coming under criticism rightfully so for having made fun of this guy for getting sexually assaulted while it was happening yeah, that kind of sucks from my perspective because it's an unfortunate part of today's world that these kinds of things are becoming like happen not happenstance uh but like I don't even want to say common, but they're happening enough throughout sports that people are starting to realize that they're happening often. Um so that kind of I was kind of hoping that hockey would be able to avoid it, but obviously you can't 
it's just crazy to me that it happened so long ago. It managed to stay under wraps for so long. And the worst part is, is I remember the, it was like 2010 through 2013 Chicago Blackhawks. And it was consistently in the Stanley Cup finals for four years in a row. It was the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. And they were just, for four years, they went back and forth between the cup. And it was an incredible run of hockey because, I mean, for fans outside of Chicago and Detroit, it kind of wasn't that fun. I think it was L.A., right? It was the Blackhawks no, L.A. Yeah, it was the, the Kings. Kings. They went back That's and right. forth for yeah. five years, right? Both of them, they because they were in the same conference, so they couldn't both play in the Stanley Cup. They were, went back and forth. Yeah. yeah, and it turns out that dynasty was kind of built on a sham. Um, and, of course, the deeper and even more sinister part of this is that the Blackhawks, who knew that this coach had assaulted a player, actually recommended this coach to go coach at a high school um, where he sexually assaulted a player again. Um, I do think I saw they're looking for a new general manager now. Yeah, they are. They fired their most recent one, so they're still in the hunt for trying to figure out who will lead them forward from here. And I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see what tone and culture they set moving forward. Yeah, hopefully they rebuild because the Chicago Blackhawks, even though we had a the Pittsburgh Penguins had a very decent rivalry with them for a few years, um, they are a good hockey team. They're a good club. Um, they can play the sport really, really well. I don't think they're doing too well this year. I'm sure they're on the playoff run. Um, they no, usually I, make it. I don't it. think they are. I think they're out of playoff positioning right now. They might be. I'll look real quick. Uh, the... And when is the Stanley Cup this year, Jacob? So the Stanley Cup playoffs will start in about two months. So in April. And they run all the way through early to mid-June. Um so each round in the Stanley Cups, there are four rounds, and each of them are a best-of-seven series. So the first team to win four games advances to the next round, uh, which really adds a level of intrigue to the series because, you know, you go back and forth, and each, you know, there's desperation, and it's a very, very motivating format to watch. Yeah, sounds like it. Speaking of judgments... The uh, U.S. women's national team, in a headline move, reached a settlement regarding the lawsuit they filed against the United States Soccer Federation for $24 million. Yeah, so $22 million were, is going to go to players who are part of the dispute, and then $2 million of that will go toward charitable efforts and post-career goals. So each player is eligible to receive about 50000 of that $2 million. Um, if they can argue that their career was affected by that. A quote from the U.S. soccer program says, quote, an equal rate of pay going forward for the women's and men's national teams in all friendlies and tournaments, including the World Cup, is what they're working toward. I think this is an interesting situation because there's such a discrepancy in success between the women's team and the men's team. I mean, I would say... There are few sports in which one team dominates to the level that the United States women have. They're not winning like every World Cup, but they're consistently at the in the mix for it. And uh, the men's team sometimes qualifies for the World Cup. So I think uh, I think it's also are getting paid. Yeah, and the U.S. women's team just hasn't gotten a lot of recognition. 
So it's really exciting to see that progress is being made. Well, I don't know if I'd say they haven't gotten recognition. They've been winning World Cups for years. Yeah, but people don't, women's sports in general don't get as much viewership as the male sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. And that is the men's team, right? Their initial argument was that they're getting more in uh, TV sharing deals, which sure is true, but the men's team is also losing in those televised games. So you be the judge of that. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of things that we thought were a lot more recent, uh, but actually have been a full year, it is the one-year anniversary of when Tiger Woods got into a car crash. Yeah, I feel like this was really recent. I can't believe it's been a year. Yeah, I mean, Evan, I don't know how much golf you watch, but it's fair to say that Tiger Woods is still the face of the sport, even though he hasn't been relevant in terms of major contention for a while. Well, yeah, and it's... Because I remember when that happened last year, he was actually hoping to go back to the Masters for the first time in a while. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I know he yeah, won a jacket. He was definitely, he was, he had done like a couple PGA Tour events. So PGA Tour is the Professional Golf Association, right? So they're, they're the ones running the, the highest level of golf in the U.S. And I think, I think he might have been looking to return to the Masters. That would make sense. I think he, because my dad likes golf a lot. So I think when, that happened. He was definitely in the runnings and he definitely wanted to get back into the masters and get another jacket. Yeah. Um, That would track because the masters is like around this. Well, in a couple months from now. So yeah, it's usually, I want to say mid May. It's uh, yeah, that sounds right. April 7th to the 10th this year. So, yeah. So I definitely feel like that came at a, you know, obviously a not great time for him. Um, I certainly remember when it happened, I was skeptic about how it happened. Um, because I, I was pessimistic, honestly, I didn't know if he was, you know, under the influence of anything at the time. And then it came out that that bend that that accident happened in on the stretch of the Los Angeles, you know, interstate that he was on, that there had been so many accidents there in such a short amount of time. Um, I obviously felt bad. Um, and he really has done a lot to try and recoup his uh, reputation across uh, basically his entire life. Um, I know he plays a lot with his son, and they seem to... It's actually funny when you watch him play with his son, their mannerisms are almost identical. It's kind of yeah. scary. Um, but they really seem to enjoy playing together, and Tiger really seems like he cares about him. so I can't say anything. I At this rate... Seeing him to come back to get another Masters would be pretty cool. Um, I've kind of silently become a fan of his, so I would be intrigued to see how he ends up recovering. But obviously, it's probably going to be quite a road to get there. Yeah, yeah, I think that when the crash happened, he almost lost his leg. So Yeah, and it took him three months to recover. Yeah, I mean, I'm still hoping for a comeback. I think that would be a good story. But, I mean, he's had back issues even before this crash, and I can't imagine that going through something that traumatic will have helped already pre-existing health conditions. So we'll keep hoping for a Tiger comeback. Uh, Speaking of other things we're hoping come back, Major League Baseball. Or, like, things that aren't coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really feels that way right now. I mean... 
there was a headline. I don't know if any of you saw this on Twitter where the Associated Press Sports put out like the most biased headline ever. It quoted the headline was Max Scherzer arrives in Porsche for negotiations, which is like obviously trying to make it seem like the players are a bunch of rich people we shouldn't care about. But it's not like the owners are showing up in like 2003 Toyota Camrys. I just don't understand how somebody could approve the writing of that headline, which is obviously meant to be defamatory. I also was reading that they're also negotiating for minimum salaries. Yeah, there's a lot of issues that they're going through. Baseball has a very complicated uh, salary negotiation set up for players. There's a lot of uh, team control over players, and it's just the players are trying to reduce how much control the uh, teams have on them so that they can go to free agency and negotiate their own contracts sooner in their careers. And there's just... Uh, you know, people aren't willing to bend on it. And the MLB actually said that if a negotiation settlement isn't reached by Monday, they're going to have to delay this season um, and they'll reduce the number of games, which is kind of like a threat, right? Because the mm-hmm. players are paid per game. So we'll keep we'll keep tabs on that moving forward. Yeah, hopefully we see baseball in the spring. Yeah, I sure hope so. I think... I think it would be definitely beneficial to the sport. But as we've talked about in the past, I don't know how many people are really going to care that much that if baseball doesn't come back. Yeah, fair enough. I certainly feel like people will care more than they think they will. Because I definitely, and I don't, again, the domineering force of the fall is obviously football in the United States. Like the NFL is the premier sports league here. Um, but baseball kind of bridges that gap between the seasons. So I definitely feel like people will probably care more than they're letting on right now. Yeah, it'll be like July, and people will be complaining that on their Wednesday nights there's not a baseball game to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, it's been a landscape of American culture for a while. um, Yeah. And it's definitely a shame. I wonder if anyone's looking to the lost revenue to cities that expect their baseball team to draw in money. Oh, I mean, the restaurant revenue from areas around it. I mean, absolutely. I, yeah, I'm sure that's a, a big thing. And I'll use that to transition to our next topic, which is also about the effect of pro sports teams on the areas around them. There has actually been a bill introduced in the U.S. Congress to eliminate subsidies to professional sports teams for pro stadium construction. So if you're unaware, most of the times when a sports team builds a stadium, they receive public funding in order to finance the building of the stadium. There's a lot of reasons behind that, and pro sports teams claim to be drivers of the local economy, which is definitely true to an extent, but this bill cites the probe into the uh, formerly the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders, as an example of why we shouldn't be giving public funding to organizations that are not trustworthy. So I don't know. Do either of you have opinions on subsidies for pro sports teams? I just don't have an opinion. I could see both arguments. I mean, I probably, I don't have the best understanding of the situation, but making 
the uh you know the businesses surrounding what would be the stadium you know contribute to what's happening um who cares uh if you know if you're gonna if you're gonna claim that the stadium is gonna be a driving force behind you know the area surrounding the stadium, then just be the driving economic force behind the area that the stadium is in don't don't basically make those places buy into having a stadium there. Just let them benefit. God knows the n f l can you know accept that and just not have to worry about the money um I mean, for smaller football teams, I mean, small, but teams that don't have fans going to as many games, that could, I guess, be an issue. But at the same time, it's the NFL. They have billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, no one, no one's never not watching a football No league one in that league is broke. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, my opinion is they all have more than enough money to fund the stadiums themselves, and public funding should not be going towards that. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of behavior that public funding should not be going towards, the University of Michigan head men's basketball coach, Jawan Howard, reached across a crowd of players for both his team, the University of Michigan, and the University of Wisconsin to smack a Wisconsin assistant coach on the head. This was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. It was during a post-game handshake line. And words were exchanged between Juwan Howard and Greg Gard. Greg Gard is the coach of the University of Wisconsin men's basketball team. And then tensions kind of flared up. And Juwan Howard, who is seven feet tall, said he felt threatened and acted in self-defense when he jumped across a crowd of people and smacked another man on the head. One of the most bizarre things I think anybody has ever tried to claim is just so immature that after a game you can't just go and accept defeat and shake the hands of the people you just played a game against yeah it just sets a bad example too i mean you expect more from the coach yeah and people are paying him i mean i don't know his exact salary numbers but i know they're not small right people are paying him a lot of money to supposedly teach young men and this is the behavior that he is exhibiting on national television well, it's just unprofessional, right? Like, I and I understand that it's a sport, right? It's two groups of people coming against each other to compete, and obviously, competition is healthy. Um, but when you break your professionalism to reach across three rows of grown men to smack another grown man in the head, personally, I like what could he have possibly said to warrant that response? Yeah. Probably not anything like ridiculous no yeah like you can say something i mean there's a line right you have to just accept it in the moment why like think think before you act like that just absolutely and it's a terrible look for the university so i'm just i'm disappointed by it yeah not a good look no not at all for our final play segment today Allie and Evan, I'll start with Allie. What is your favorite part of hockey? Allie? Uh, my favorite part of hockey is that it's really fast-paced, and also I like the jerseys. I think they're comfortable and cute. For me, hands down, it's got to be the entire stretch of playoff hockey. Um, you will never watch a more intense set of games in your life. Um <laughs> 
Like it, it's if if you get to watch a game seven in person, like ever, which you I have, have to go. Yeah, even if you're not a hockey fan, if you are in a city where there's a hockey team and it's a playoff series and it's game seven, go spend the money, do it. I swear, I promise you will never have a more exhilarating, exciting time in your life. And, you know, even if you can't get into the stadium, uh, Pittsburgh, fortunately enough, knock on wood, hopefully they keep doing it. Um, they have the big screen outside the arena. I know that's probably just a Pittsburgh thing. Not very many other teams do something like that, but just go experience it. It is the most heart racing inducing thing you will ever see. It is my cardio workouts in the spring watching playoff hockey. So what I'm hearing is you're going to be back on the show for the Stanley Cup, Evan. Absolutely. Oh, well, that's good news. My favorite part of hockey is that when you're at a hockey game, you can hear all the little sounds. So you can hear the players yelling at each other. You can hear the puck as it, you know, it gets passed and it hits the sticks. And you can hear it as it rings off the goalposts and as people crash into the boards. I just feel like the live experience of hockey is so much better than the live experience of any other pro sport. Um, And that's why I think that hockey is one of those sports that in order to really appreciate it to the fullest extent, you just have to go see it live once. Even if it's a minor league team or a college team, just see the speed of the game and appreciate it. And when you're watching it on TV, you'll be able to relate to it so much more. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think that's all the advice we have for today. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Evan. Thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it. Don't forget, new episodes are released on Monday mornings and Friday mornings, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Rookie underscore Rundown or on Facebook at Rookie Rundown Pod to find out more information about episodes and let us know what we should talk about next. And don't forget to keep sports simple, stupid.